This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It's the Utopia Football Podcast. It is a Thursday edition, heading into Week Eight. The bye week is over. We have football every weekend from now until at least the beginning of January. Hopefully, longer. It's fun. We can say that with the Texans as they sit at 3-3, three and three, getting ready for the Carolina Panthers on Sunday in Charlotte. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610. In the morning, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. is when you can find us. And uh, my co-host, as always, for this podcast is the uh, the great John McClain, the Hall of Famer, our good friend and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com. John, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you for asking. Yeah, well, it's good. I'm glad to hear you're good. And uh, and I think uh, Dusty Baker is probably, I would say Dusty Baker probably doing pretty good right now, too, that he's got some clarity moving forward here. He's got a, a resume and a career that he can put on the table for the folks that vote for Cooperstown and feel good that he's going to get in. And, of course, what I'm referring to is, um, is Dusty Baker uh, reports yesterday. And as you and I are recording this, John, there's a press conference ongoing with Dusty Baker, Jim Crane, and GM Dana Brown over at Minute Maid Park. Dusty Baker is indeed retiring. What was your initial reaction when you saw the news yesterday? I wasn't surprised. Um, there was a lot of talk. He had had issues with Dana Brown, the GM, as he had issues with James Click. Dusty's contract said he controlled the game day roster, who played, who didn't. And uh, Dana Brown was not bashful uh, about um, kind of being a Monday morning quarterback on his talk show about guys he'd like to see. And uh, so I'm sure there were some issues, as there usually are with managers and general managers. But Dusty, after the he sounded bad after the loss. You know it took yeah. a lot out of him. He's got a winery. He gets to go back to Northern California. He says he wants another job in an advisory role. I don't think that will be of the Astros. I may be wrong, but I think it's time for Dusty to go. He did a fantastic job. Nobody could have envisioned him doing what he's done with the Astros when he came in to get the stench off the organization. Yeah, no, I, I agree. If I look back at the whole Dusty Baker experience here with the Astros, um, it's two thumbs up. I mean, it was, it's, it, you sound, it sounds pretty petty if, if your thumbs down on a guy that, that managed you to two ALCSs, two world series and won a world series last year. 
So empirically, he was a good manager for the Astros. I will say his last year here was easily, he probably got more criticism, John, in this past season in 2023 than he did the previous three seasons combined. Um, but even this past season, I can look back at it now, while they they were precariously close to not even making the postseason, I mean, it came down to the final two days of the season. I think you can look back, I can look back at it now and go, okay, well, ultimately, Dusty didn't really cost them anything with any of the decisions that he made because they wound up with the two seed. They wound up winning the division. So they were the two seed. They were a good 10 or 11 games back of Baltimore, who was the one seed. Like there was a big gap between one and two. Um, I don't think the decisions Dusty was making are 10 wins worth of decisions. You know, things about playing Yiner Diaz more than Maldonado and, and some of the decisions he made with the pitching staff, maybe sticking with some guys too long, whatever the case may be. Um, so I like I and I think that he didn't cost them the Rangers series. You know they cost themselves the Rangers series by not hitting with runners in scoring position and by just getting blistered in Game Six and Seven. So I don't I can at least look back at what was probably the most nitpicked of his four seasons here. And ultimately, even in that season, I can look back at it and go, all right, well, you know, Dust. I had issues with things Dusty was doing, but ultimately, I don't look back at it with sadness because, oh, if somebody else was the manager, we'd have won a World Series, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think even Bruce Bochy could have done that. He's done a fantastic job with the Rangers. And now everybody's fired up to see who's going to be next. If they want to preserve continuity, they'll take bench coach Joe Espada, who's been there for five years. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows him, but he's interviewed for six jobs and he hadn't been hired. And I can't figure out why that is. If Dana Brown plays the big role, he'll probably want somebody – he was with in Atlanta or Toronto, but I know Brian McTaggart wrote, Dana Brown will have some say, but Jim Crane and Jeff Bagwell sound like they're going to have the most say. And of course, Crane, of course Crane's going to sign off on it. Does he want to make a splash like he did with Dusty? You know, And there's even speculation, and even though A.J. Hinch has more time left on his contract in Detroit, and he's got a lot of young talent, would they try – to get A.J. Hinch. So it's very intriguing to see which direction they're going to go in and who has the most say other than Jim Crane. Yeah, it's to me, this is uh, like I'm I'm way more intrigued by this than I was when they fired A.J. Hinch back in 2020 and ended up hiring Dusty. Like that was more just like that was more like stunned. You know, you're hitting the face and you're like, oh, my God, what like what's what's going on? Like your head spinning. This is we kind of seen coming. And now that we know, okay, this is a team that's not nearly as, I don't think it's nearly as built to win at a high, high level as it's been in previous years. I think the win total alone tells you that this season. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, John. I think the part that you laid out there about the decision-making process, I think that's the biggest question people have. And I hope it gets asked today with Dana Brown and Jim Crane sitting right next to each other. Cause I saw the same report from Brian McTaggart that you did, Brian McTaggart, who covers the Astros for MLB.com, does a great job, um, that it sounds like this is a Crane and Bagwell show with Dana Brown giving some input, which is that, you know, that's, it feels more like that most GMs would be the ones going and finding the next manager and then the owner would rubber stamp it. It sounds like that nothing's really changed, quite honestly, with the process that, uh, that quite honestly arrived at Dana Brown for the GM. It sounds like it's the same process to get this next manager. It's Crane with Bagwell in his ear. And that has a lot of people very nervous, John, because of some of the moves this team made with Bagwell overseeing things in the absence of a GM. Crane has told people that it'll be Dana Brown that's going to oversee the process. 
and then he will sign off on it. And uh, uh, so we'll see, I'm sure, in the news conference, they're being asked about it, and Crane will say Dana Brown will, will guide the search, and that's the way it should be. You'd think Brown had some assurances in that when he took the job because James Click, uh, he didn't have that kind of influence. And uh, so it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be fun. I think they've got some decisions to make that they need to bring back Hector Nero, so they're going to bring back Phil Maton. I'm guessing Ryan Stanek's gone, Michael Brantley, Martin Maldonado could end up, well, since Dusty's gone, I don't know if he'll end up as a coach. He's going to coach somewhere eventually, and people think a manager is in his future. But, you know, they still got what happens, Lance McCullers, does he ever pitch again? When does Luis Garcia come back? Can it be at the start of next year? Or is it going to be like Verlander and miss – Two years. What happened to Jeremy Pena at the plate? He was terrible. And there's just a lot of things that have to turn around, starting with Romer Valdez and Christian Javier on the on the starting staff. And they they better bring in a veteran pitcher who can get can get some valuable innings when he's on the mound. So you don't have to count on the same old crew that overall was disappointing as starting pitchers. Do you um, – this is going to be a weird question, John, because the Astros have been the best franchise in the sport for the last seven years. Do you think this is a good managerial job for someone to step into right now? I do because they've got talent. They've got everything it takes to get to an eighth consecutive ALCS, tying the Braves for the all-time record. They own the AL record now. I think uh, when – if you think – if Alvarez could play 145 or 150 games, he never has. God. But if he could, like Bregman and Tucker, they're Iron Man. Altuve missed the most games of his career. He's on yeah. a pace if he'd have played full season at 42 home runs. Now, I know he wouldn't have, but they still got a lot of talent. Do we see a year older Jose Abreu pick up where he left off, or does he go into almost a season-long slump again? And a pitcher I'm eager to see is their top minor league pitcher, Spencer Getty, a starter who was in double-A and triple-A this year. And they say, like Hunter Brown, he's ready. Hunter Brown ran out of gas at the end of the year, which not surprising for a rookie pitcher. You know, J.P. Francis, is the real J.P. what we saw in the World Series? It was horrible. Or does he come back? So there's a lot of possibilities, and I can't wait, wait to see not only who they bring back, Sean, but who they pursue. Yeah, I, I am too. I don't know. I, I think people if people are expecting splashy things outside of the organization and pursuing free agents or trades, um, I think they're going to be disappointed. There's yeah. much less space now to work with below the competitive balance tax and there's been certainly than there's been last year. They were spending like drunken sailors last year, comparatively speaking. I Hunter Brown's the big one for me, John. Not to go too far off on a tangent from Dusty, but like that's the big X factor for me because Hunter Brown's got electric stuff. He's shown he can pitch at a high level in the big leagues. He just, yeah, probably the amount of work and just inconsistency and, and the inability and inability to keep the ball in the ballpark. Hunter Brown got done in by home runs so often in his starts where he, you know, he pitched to seven or eight guys, you know, through the first couple, two, three innings and six of them would be spectacular at bats for Hunter Brown, you know, uh, and, but the problem was the other two would land, you know, 450 feet. So, um, He's the big X factor for me heading into next season. I got so, yeah, one I think, more. Go ahead. Yep. You just real quick, because I think Verlander, I think I feel confident like that you know what you're getting with some of the yes. other guys. Hunter Brown is the one that can take you from here to here if he makes that leap in your year two slash three of his career. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you think about how he did for about half the season, three-quarters of the season, the way he did yeah. when he got called up in 2022, something I'm interested in seeing. Remember, Jimmy Johnson went won two Super Bowls. Barry Switzer came in and won a third one with his players. Mm-hmm. Then it fell apart. Okay, they had Brent Strom, one of the greatest pitching coaches in history, certainly one of the best, the best the Astros have ever had. He left, retired after 2021, went to Arizona. And so you had Miller and Murphy. Miller had been there under him. Mm -hmm. Was the staff great last year because of the carryover from Strom? And in this season, it wasn't because it had the Miller stamp on it. You know, that's something that's going to have to be watched closely. And also, you know, a new manager may want his new pitching coach, hitting coach, pitch coach, everything. Yeah, that's what makes this fascinating, because you knew that because of the, the timing of it in 2020 when they went and found Dusty, that they Dusty was just, they're going to plug Dusty in and leave everything else in place. Like this, there's everything from the potential of just promote Joe Espada to bring in somebody new. And he just, this new person comes in and just hits the detonate button and just re- changes everything around. So there's, there's a much more wide ranging potential uh, effect here, you know, from just promote one guy to replace 15 guys, you know? Yeah, I've never heard an explanation of why Brent Strom left. He's older. He's 71. I think he just turned 75. So he was going back to Tucson, and everybody said he's going to retire. Next thing you know, he's hired by the Diamondbacks. Now he's in the World Series. Have you ever heard anything about why he left? Did he? No. Some people retire and then change their mind. I know all about it, but I've never heard a good explanation. No, and I tend to think that it's something, you know, like I – I tend to think with there's a lot of people that have probably left or been asked to leave the organization the last few years that you could just look at it and go, okay, well, they're, you know, they're so-and-so wants to bring in somebody new or whatever. Like I, there, I can't imagine somebody looking at Brent Strom and thinking this guy's not doing a, an amazing job at what he's doing. I could see more where Brent Strom maybe looks around the building and sit, you know, and decides like, okay, well this you know, maybe doesn't like working with dusty. That could be, you know, that they they're both, you know, great guys, but they don't mesh really. I, I don't know, John, I've never, I've never heard, but it would appear just – I tend to think it's more that he just – he wanted a graceful way out and and was going to go look for for something else. You know I, you know what I compare it to actually a little bit is Daryl Morey with the Rockets. Remember when Daryl Morey stepped away from the Rockets? Yeah. Like he was never going to get fired from the Rockets. He stepped away from – I mean, he almost did for tweeting about China. But uh, but he stepped away from the Rockets. I want to spend more time with my family. And two weeks later, he's the president of basketball ops for the Philadelphia 76ers. That's what I equate. That's what it feels like to me with Brent Strom. Is it wasn't a real retirement, you know. After being on with get out. Payne and Pendergast with you and Seth and Seth bringing up about Strom, I changed my pick. I don't I want the Rangers to win. I want Arizona to win because of Brent Strom. And, boy, my fam- family, friends – talk show people in Waco, they're all killing me that I folded like a cheap suit. 
<laughs> Seth was very persuasive with his argument. I would say he was because you don't often do that, John. You're not a you. You don't flip flop like that. That I've in the time I've known you, I've had great respect for Strom and everything he did for the organization. Everything I heard about him behind the scenes from people that covered him and knew him. Just a, a pillar of the community. I hope the D-backs win it, be one of the greatest upsets in history, an 84-win team winning the World Series. And I went over the position-by-position position and predictions by an MLB.com guy today, and he picked the D-backs in seven. So we'll see. And if they do win, because wow. they, they have top to bottom the best staff and Strom, who doesn't get a lot of attention around the country. It's always here. But I, I've read all during the end of the season. Everybody's Tory Lovello, Tory Lovello, and yeah. Corbin Carroll, but not anything about Brent Strom. Mm. Ultimate yeah. background guy. Yep, big time. I think he probably likes it that way. If if I had to guess. All right. Um, so that that's the longest we've ever gone in one stretch on baseball on the podcast. That was fun. Congrats to Dusty Baker on a great run as the Astros manager. All right, John, you ready to do a pregame six pack for this? Uh, Panthers-Texans game coming up. Number one versus number two. Draft picks, not teams in the NFL, but uh, Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. Of all the games on the schedule, this was definitely one, John, before the season that we put the circle around because of this quarterback matchup. Little did we know the Texans would be a relevant team in the playoff hunt in the AFC. You ready to do a little pregame six-pack action, my friend? Let's do it. All right, so we pick six people, storylines, position groups, however we want to do it, but six things that are going to most highly impact the Texans game on Sunday. The Texans a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now in Charlotte uh, this Sunday against the Panthers. You can hear the game at noon on Sports Radio 610. John, you go first, as always, in our pregame six-pack. First, remind the listeners and viewers what happened the last time they were favored on the road. Last time the Texans were favored on the road would be week 14 of 2020 Ooh. in Chicago against the Bears, quarterbacked by Mitchell Trubisky, and the Bears won 36-7 to that day. Texans okay. were favored by one point. Yes, they, they cannot have that kind of performance. No. Uh, I was listening to NFL Radio and Charlie Weiss, uh, the, one of their experts, picked the Panthers because he said they have to win this game. They have to go all out. You know, they're an underdog at home. It's always an embarrassment. But I'm going to say this. They got to get a better pass rush. They're getting pressure. Will Anderson Jr. gets great pressure, but they have the fewest sacks in the NFL. Okay. which is amazing because usually they're plus six in turnover differential tied for second. Usually when you're that good in turnover differential, you're getting sacks and strip sacks and they're not. So Will Anderson Jr. and Jonathan Grenard got to get to Bryce Young, not just to put pressure on him, but get him down. They have to do their part on defense to make sure that Bryce Young does not outplay C.J. Stroud. Yeah, they need to pulverize Bryce Young. Bryce Young needs to feel this game afterwards uh, in his tiny little bird frame. So I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I, sparrow. A sparrow. Yes. That's terrible. A hummingbird. All right. Coming uh, from my, two guys on a soda weight loss program. No kidding. Hey, that's right. <laughs> if Will can't get him on the ground, you and I will come in and do the Yokozuna bonsai drop on him. There you go. Uh, there's a lot less of us to love now, people, just so you know, than there was a, a, for me a few years ago and for John a few months ago. Um, all right, my first one here in the six-pack, number two overall, um, is the Texans, the wide receiving core, but particularly the return of Tank Dell. Tank Dell's coming back this week. Of course, he was concussed in the Atlanta game. He missed the New Orleans game. 
they knew he'd be good to go for this game with, especially with the bye week in between. I think having Tank Dell back there is going to, he's the one guy that really opens things up for the Texans. He gets open himself. Um, and this is a horrible, horrible Panthers secondary when it comes to covering wide receivers. They have among the worst stats in the league when it comes to passer rating and yardage generated. Uh, passer rating, you know, targeting wide receivers and yardage generated by wide receivers per game. The Panthers are among the worst in the league. And, John, these are their backup backups. This The Panthers' secondary is in the same condition the Texans' offensive line was like two weeks into the season. They are playing street guys right now. So C.J. Stroud should be able to light it up throwing to Nico Collins and Tank Dell on Sunday. So that's my first one. I, th- I think they got to – I think this could be a fireworks display passing-wise for the Texans. The offensive line has got to control Brown and Burns, who are two really good – pass rushers from inside and outside. Say this about the receivers. We were worried about it so much early. Besides Tank Dell, Nico Collins, Noah Brown came back last week, had a 31-yard catch. Dalton Schultz is now making big catches in every game, especially down the middle. Xavier Hutchinson carried twice on reverses that Tank Dell was doing, and he ran them better than Tank Dell. So uh, I think Ben McDaniels, the wide receivers coach, is doing a terrific job job with these guys and then Bobby Sloig's making good calls for them so I think they'll get the ball to tank as a runner and as a passer and I would send him deep right off the bat to make sure the Panthers know he's capable of doing that I like that I like where your head's at on that John what's your next one in the six pack here two weeks to prepare because of the bye week the running game has not been good it's actually better than it was this time last year I looked it up about three yards better, even though it's terrible. And so I think this, I think with two weeks to get ready, we're going to see Damian Pierce have his best game. Devin Singletary will have another good game after the last one in which he was the leading rusher. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to see the running game going against the 31st run defense. They're giving up 140, I think, seven yards a game on the ground. They have to be able to run against the Panthers. They're going to have an intact offensive line for the third week in a row, I believe. Um, Who's playing left guard? For the Texans? Yeah. Is Josh Uh, Jones? No, Titus. I'm sorry. Titus, yeah. Yeah, so I keep thinking, would they put Josh Jones there like they did at one point and move Titus back to right tackle? But if they keep it the way it was with Titus and Fant, third week in a row, so they're getting some continuity. So I look for the running game to be best at any any time this season. Okay, so, John, if my prediction with my first six-pack entry comes comes true – and yours just now comes true. The Texans are going to basically put up about 700 yards on the Panthers. Troll the ball for about 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you've got them with a buck 50 rushing, and I've got CJ throwing for 300 and a fireworks display. So they're going to get, and they could too. They could get 450, 500 yards of offense uh, against this defense. It's not a good defense, this Panthers. Wouldn't that be defense. fun to watch? Oof, you got that right, my friend. All right. My next one, John, the Texans linebacking crew, and particularly, covering tight ends. They've been among the worst in the league in covering tight ends so far this season. We saw it probably most magnified against the Falcons in week five, where their tight ends went for, I think, 14 catches for a buck 75. They couldn't stop Jonu Smith and Kyle Pitts. Um, Michael Pruitt even got involved with a play in that game. And then last week they got eaten up by Taysom Hill, you know, in kind of, you know, short yardage, move the chain situation. So, 
the Texans linebacking crew, I've been telling people all week, like if Hayden Hurst is available on your fantasy free agency wire, pick him up. Because if the trend holds, Hayden Hurst of the Panthers is going to have his best game of the year because the Texans give up a ton of yards and catches him. I think part of that probably, John, is the bend but don't break philosophy. You know, that interior, that middle part of the field, D'Amico has typically left open in his defense because he's he, D'Amico seems perfectly happy giving up seven or eight yard catches if it means that the safeties and the linebackers get to abuse a guy in that kill zone right there. The problem for the Texans is that they haven't been able to contain that position the last couple of weeks. You know, they've been the tight ends have made, been making those intermediate catches, but they've been productive plays. So control the tight end because I think this is a wide receiver wise. I think this is a group that the Texans can control in the secondary, but let don't let the tight ends beat you in this game. Uh, they better at some point. Now they move teams move the ball down the field. The Texans have given up 18.8 points a game. That's seventh in the NFL. They mm-hmm. also are 11th in red zone defense. They're still awful in red zone offense, but uh, so they do give up yards, but then they, they, uh, they get so much better when they get closer to the end zone. My next one is going to be uh, special teams. Cause I, even though you'd like to think they blow them out like they did in Jacksonville, it's more likely to come down to the end and um, have a chance to win it with a field goal by Kaimi Fairbairn, who's been fantastic. He's only missed one field goal this season. He's perfect on extra points. I think, again, because of problems in the red zone on offense, he's going to have a lot of field goal opportunities, and he's going to have a chance to be the difference in the game. You said the spread now is up to three and a half points. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all if it doesn't come down to a fair barren kick. They have an advantage in the kicking game. Their opponent's punt returns, and this includes Ty Zetner, it, opponent's punt returns are only 4.8 yards, which makes the Texans second in the NFL. So they're not giving up field position yeah. on punts, and that has a lot to do with Frank Ross and his strategy. So I think special teams in general and kicking game in particular. I just checked. It's actually down to three now, the spread on the game. So that that half point's a big half point in a game that uh, could get decided by three points. So Texans a three-point favorite as of uh, 24 minutes into this podcast here. Um, my last one, John, is not necessarily a player or a position group. I'm just anxious to see how the Texans come out in this game in the first quarter and what their their energy level is in this game. And here's why. This is the first time, as you pointed out or had me point out a few minutes ago, this is new territory for the Houston Texans and this group of Texans where they're the ones with the target on their back. They're the favorite in this game. And they're the favorite in what hostile environment may be overstating it. I don't know if Carolina is viewed as one of those places it's really hard to go play, but it is a road game. Uh, you know, so – it's a road game. They're favored in this game. You, they've had a whole bye week to sit there, and, and if they're on the internet, read about how surprisingly awesome they've been over the last four weeks of the season. I'm just I'm very intrigued to see how the Texans handle the plethora of press clippings that are available out there for them to read about how good they've been so far this year because the human tendency is that when you read that stuff, it injects complacency. So how well does D'Amico Ryans do a handling the bye week and the extra time to prepare? Hopefully that manifests itself in the run game. Like you said, that they fixed some technical things with the team, but how has he managed those two weeks with this team in terms of motivation and making sure that they're full? I'm optimistic that it's going to look good. I, I D'Amico strikes me as a guy who is, who, who has his team's attention first and foremost, and is a very good communicator. So I'm optimistic. It'll be good. I'm just intrigued because it's been a long time, a long time since we've been in this sort of territory 
with this group of Texans. They should be four and two. They should have won that game in Atlanta. There's no reason they shouldn't win this game in Carolina. They have committed the fewest turnovers in the NFL, thanks to C.J. Stroud. And even though they don't get a lot of turnovers, that's why they're plus six. I'll tell you something that you can look up, not right now, but I'll be interested in, is, okay, we know the last time they were favored on the road and what happened. When's the last time they were favored on the road and covered? Uh, I'm guessing 2019. No, no, no. Three weeks before that, they were favored Thanksgiving Day in Detroit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. yeah, They were favored. I didn't realize they were favored. That was that game. Watson was just fantastic. Yeah. Well, John, and that was the game. JJ Watt had a pick six in that game, also. Like, that's what's weird about that season. It just goes to show you, like, you know, and you can see why Bill O'Brien got fired. He got fired four games into that season, but that. That was a team, the Texans, that even though at that juncture in the season when they're playing Detroit on Thanksgiving Day and they're playing Chicago in week 14, I mean, at that point, the Texans are probably four and seven or four and eight or maybe three and seven on the season because I think that was their, you know, that was their fourth win at Detroit game. Um, They were still getting the level of respect that they're a favorite on the, you're a favorite on the road against anybody and you're three or four games below 500 in November, then clearly there's an issue going on with the coaching because they don't view your talent level as one that should be losing all these games. But yeah, it was to answer your question, long, long way to answer your question, but it was, yeah, it was three weeks before that on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving day in Detroit, they were favored and they won 41, 25. uh, You know, they don't give a damn about covering in Carolina. They just want to win. They no, I, John, I'll tell you this before we get to our for real or Fugazi. We had Kyle Bailey on our show this morning. Seth and I did. Kyle does the afternoon show on WFNZ in Charlotte. That's our sister station, our Odyssey station in Charlotte. And he, Kyle's a great host. I was on his show yesterday, and he was with us this morning. And I asked him, the very last question I asked him, John, I said, I said, would, would Panther fans rather have Bryce Young throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in a losing effort or – have Carolina win the game. He didn't even let me finish the question. He's like, yeah, the Bryce Young, yes. We just want Bryce Young to look good. We don't care if we win the game because it doesn't impact them. <laughs> they don't They don't have their, you know, like the winning and losing thing. Like they're, I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs. There's no incentive. Like that's, there's no incentive to lose, I guess, because Chicago has their pick. So the whole winning and losing thing for them is kind of, they just need Bryce Young. They just need to feel like they they have a quarterback, you know? And, and so they're, they, they're not as focused on a win in this game as they are making sure they'd rather have Bryce Young win the, per, the personal battle with C.J. Stroud than the Panthers win the game against the Texans. Yeah, you know, Stroud would obviously give up that personal battle Dude, for another win. Stroud would throw for 112 yards and three picks if the Texans won the game 13-12. to 12. Yeah, You know absolutely. what I mean? 100%. That's what I love about him. All right. Um, what's your prediction on the game, John? I'm picking the Texans to win this game 23-20. to 20. I think they're going to score 30 points in this game. I'm going to go Ooh, I hope 30. you're right. Jacksonville I, 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 all over again. I think they're, I, I they're going to score a lot of points, John. I think this is a secondary that can be had, and I think the, I think the extra week off, as you, to your point, is going to help the running game. So I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go 31-19. to 19 Ooh, I hope you're score. right. That would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. A whole lot of fun. Then 4-3 and three going into a home game against the Bucs. And then Coming we're done with the – Lost to the Bills. Yeah, yeah, and then we're done with the NFC South, and now it's all AFC games the rest of the way. That's 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 crazy fun. All right, uh, you ready to do some for real or for gazes, my friend? I sure am. Okay, we do this every uh, every Thursday episode. 
We do a segment called For Real or Fugazi. For real, uh, of course, you guys know what that means. Fugazi is Italian for fake, counterfeit. can be used as a synonym for wrong in this case. Because what I do is I read a sentence to John, and if John agrees with it, then he says, for real. If John disagrees with it or he thinks I'm silly or being stupid or whatever, he says, Fugazi. And he says it just like that, too. It's very entertaining. Fugazi. Fugazi, yeah. So like we'll, Fugazi. Yeah, yeah, you got to do the, yeah, hey, oh, this guy. <laughs> He's looking guy, yeah? Um, all right, so I've got six of them here, John. You ready? I'm ready. All right, okay. John, the Houston Texans are three and three. Their rookie class, obviously, is a big catalyst for the improvement with this team. For real or Fugazi, if there was an odds board for executive of the year, Nick Casario would be in the top five right now. For real. I think he's making the previous two drafts are looking pretty good as well. It's amazing when you get good coaching. I think that is definitely for real. Yep. For real. Yeah. And, and, and Nick obviously had a hand in hiring D'Amico Ryan. So that's, you know, so it's not even anything where they brought this guy in and now all of Nick's guys look good. He's brought the guy in who's developing all these guys. Now I'm with you on that. And it's crazy to think, John, like when that Derek, Stingley hamstring injury hit <laughs> him out of two. Here. Yeah, they wanted to. Yeah, everybody wanted, and they were owing two. Winning cures everything. You're absolutely right. Isn't that amazing how that works. It's really funny. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, all right. Speaking of which, John, another Casario one here for you. I guess indirectly or directly, maybe. Um, trade deadlines coming up on Tuesday next week. For those who don't know, and there's still a lot of big names floating around out there uh, who are rumored to be on the move eventually here. For real or Fugazi, the Texans will make a trade as a buyer before the trade deadline next Tuesday. Oh boy. I'm going to say that's for real. I don't think okay. it'll be a splash. Nick's got a lot of low picks. He likes to trade and swap out. I'm guessing there's going to be a player gets hurt. Um, you know, if they were just healthy, if they get Stingley back, if Tavier Thomas is ready to come back, they got all those corners. Players have played well in their place, just like they got by with the linemen. Uh, I don't think, you know, would he bring in another linebacker? Somebody could actually cover. I don't know. There's not going to be a pass rusher available and because people just don't trade him. So I think he'll make a move. I just don't think it'll be something where people go, oh, man, that's great he got that guy. Yeah, I could see I, – I could definitely see him bringing something in in the front seven defensively, like another defensive lineman or – you know, the, the, I know the run defense has improved. The interior of the defensive line is still, to me, like it's – it's still shit. We love Big Heine, John, but when Big Heine is your number three defensive lineman in a rotation in there in the middle, like there's probably improvements available out there. So, um, and they're getting Hassan Ridgeway back in this game too. So that'll help quite a bit. They'll have four, they'll be four deep there, but if they could find somebody better, of course they'd go after him. All right. Next one, Texans related. Last one, Texans related, I think, here, because I've got a few NFL and I got one baseball for you. Um, Kyler Murray is, uh, is healthy again. He's active. He's practicing. He's back. Kyler Murray's return for real or Fugazi changes your prediction for who wins Arizona versus Houston at NRG stadium in week 11. Fugazi. I don't care who's playing quarterback for the Cardinals. <laughs> That's the game before the season. We thought they were going to win. I don't care if Kyler Murray's back or not. The Texans are going to win that game. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you on that. It doesn't. It makes it more interesting for sure. Like, like you know, Kyler being back, and I think just like if I'm a Cardinal fan, I really wonder what Cardinal fans are rooting for with Kyler Murray. You know, like if they're legit rooting for him to win games, or if they if they've been so conditioned this off season 
to believe that we're the ones who are going to get Caleb Williams. I can tell you right now, the Texans are not cooperating with them in that endeavor. I think they thought they were going to have two of the top five picks in the draft, and it's not looking that way right now. I think they definitely are interested in Caleb Williams or Drake May. Looks like the Bears will end up with one since they've got their pick and Carolina's pick. And Kyler Murray, D'Amico Ryans knows him very well. Yes, shared a division with him for a few years. Absolutely. Good point. Um, all right, John, um, we know that one of the big stories going on right now is the scandal at the University of Michigan with stealing signs uh, during college football games the last couple of years via iPhone, filming team signals, and then basically having the answers to the test reportedly on the sidelines, including against C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. Remember him? Um, for real or for Gazy, this scandal is what will eventually drive Jim Harbaugh from college football back to the NFL. I think that's for real. And anybody thinks he doesn't know about it, a control freak like Harbaugh, all this yeah, going on behind his back, there's no way he didn't know what was going on. I saw a great uh, meme in which they had that guy, what's his name, the captain that oh, was doing uh, He's got a great name. What, O'Connor Stallions. Stallions. Yeah. And he's sitting behind an obstructed view where he can't see anything but the post, and it says Stallion Scouting TCU. It was great. Dude, what a name, right? Connor Stallions. Stallions. Connor Stallions. Connor Stallions, definitely not an interior decorator. I promise you that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, two more, John. Um, one more football and then a baseball one. Uh, Brock Purdy is in the concussion protocol right now. It doesn't look like he's going to play this weekend, which means it's Sam Darnold time. John, for real or Fugazi, this is the beginning of the Sam Darnold redemption tour. Fugazi, I think Darnold will play well. He'll win, but Brock Purdy will be the quarterback the next week. Turns out, remember the stat we were talking about on Tank Dell about guys coming back and not coming back? Yeah. I saw a stat this week. It said not one person that went in the protocol so far this year has played in the next game. So they were using it about Brock Purdy. Why he, the odds are he just won't play. Yeah. But Kyle Shanahan loves him. He was struggling in that last game, played terribly in the fourth quarter, I believe. As soon as he's ready, and they think it'll be the following week, yeah. He'll be back in the lineup. But if Sam Darnold plays well and they win, he's on a one-year deal. I believe that would help him next year. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it could be the beginning of the Sam Darnold redemption tour. I have it be too. the only start that he has this year for the 49ers. So um, so there you go. All right. So we may see some Sam Darnold this Remember, weekend. Last one. Shanahan yeah. wanted him over Trey Lance for a that's reason. Right. Yep. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Really good point. Um, all right. Last one, John. Uh, we know that the Astros are going to be looking for a new manager here shortly. We know that according to Brian McTaggart, Dana Brown will be involved in it, the GM, but it sounds like Jim Crane and special advisor to Jim Crane and the baseball ops folks, Jeff Bagwell, will be involved in the process. For real or for gazy, Jeff Bagwell's involvement in the selection of the next Astros manager should have Houston fans very concerned. I think that's for real. You know, he was by. That mine. hurts you, John, because he's your it favorite. Did. Astro. He's my all time favorite Astro. Yeah. I respect his opinion. People treat him like he's been terrible for the organization because he was so positive about Jose Abreu. Yeah. And in September and October, he could have stood up and given it this to everybody Crotch that criticized him, but, he, uh. but Abreu deserved it. Yeah. And people are saying he was behind Montero and Javier and all those deals like that. We don't know that. Yeah. We don't know. All All we know is 
Crane trusts his opinion. He trusts the opinion of Reggie Jackson, two Hall of Famers, advisors. Now, a lot of people say they're old. You shouldn't be listening to old people. They don't care about analytics. No, they still have an analytics department. And if they get a new manager who is all about the analytics, like say A.J. Hinch was, will a guy like that come here? I'm guessing he won't. Yeah, probably not. John, do you think we should be listening to old people? Well, I am an old person. Thank yeah. God people still want to listen to me. <laughs> there you go. I just That's what I wanted to hear, John. <laughs> that was the correct answer to the question. You're not an old person yet. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm rapidly closing the gap right now. Um, so uh, so that's it. Those are our For Real or Fugazis. John, we, uh, we are done. We, uh, we are finished with this podcast, and it is on to the Panthers and the Texans on uh, – Sunday, and I will see you tonight at the Yellow Rose Distillery for our uh, whiskey talk. Out there. I'll be there when I get off Texans Radio, and then we'll be back on our podcast after the game on Sunday. Looking forward to it. John, I enjoyed it as always. Thank you. All right, good stuff. John McClain, the great John McClain, and of course, the great James Jackson as well, our producer who gets this podcast out to all of you in such a timely fashion and carves up those YouTube video clips that we post on social as well. Um, James does a great job, so kudos to him for getting this podcast to you. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure that you're getting the podcast automatically and that you don't have to search it out every time. You can get it automatically by subscribing. We appreciate you doing that, and it's going to get to be more and more fun as the Texans win more and more games, and it's feeling like that is a strong possibility here over the next several weeks. So for James Jackson, for John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will talk to all of you on Sunday evening following what is hopefully a Texans win against the Panthers in Charlotte. Have a great weekend.